What is going on, sports fans? Welcome to Season 6, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most too sweet to be sour at the top of the hour. It's your man, Jack Bernie. We've got a fun show for you this week. First, I'm going to bring on friend of the show, good friend of mine, co-worker at WTWO, big-time Ohio State and Indianapolis Colts fan, Will Price. We're going to break down the game between Ohio State and Michigan that saw Michigan win for the third straight year, talk some AFC playoff picture with the Colts and the Browns firmly in the race, and much, much more. Fun conversation with Will, mostly about Ohio State football, some NFL there at the end. So be sure to listen to that interview that's going to come up right after this. And then after the interview, I'm going to go ahead and give some more takes I have on the Cleveland Browns after their loss to the Denver Broncos, all the injuries surrounding the Browns team, and also give you my picks for week 13 of the NFL season. So First, we got the interview with Will that's going to come right now, and then it's me afterwards giving you some Browns takes and Week 13 picks. Without further ado, here he is, Will Price. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest who needs no introduction. It's my friend, co-worker at WTWO, big Ohio State fan, Will Price. Will, thanks for coming on the podcast. Second time you've been on, but... uh. I'm I'm sorry that uh, both times you've been on, it's been after your football team has taken heartbreaking losses. First time it was the Colts losing to the Browns. Second time it's Ohio State losing to Michigan. But but nonetheless, thank you for joining the show, man. There's a lot to be thankful for. Thanksgiving weekend just ended, but yeah, let, let's try to to brighten up one of these appearances. Maybe come on. I guess we did. You know, the Colts won. Sadly, uh, it coincided with the biggest Buckeye game of the year, in which they yep. did not. But like you said, this is the second time on. You know the old adage, sequels are never better, but this is going to be like Shrek 2 to Shrek 1. It's going to be a good one to a great one. Yeah, Shrek 2. Hopefully we have our, uh, you know, I need a hero moment in this podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think we will. All right, man. So let's start with the game, Ohio State-Michigan. Ohio State loses 30-24. to 24. Um, Just Initial takeaways from you on this game. I mean, we'll get to the Ryan Day conversation that needs to be had, the uh, Kyle McCord conversation that I think needs to be had. But just general takeaways you had from the game and like kind of your feelings while you were watching it, that sort of thing. Oh man, it was a it was a tough one. You know, I think I'm with all the Ohio State fans. You know, I was joking with some of my friends over the course of the past two days that uh, I don't know, Michigan fans did it losing all those years, losing basically 10 straight years, you know, basically losing 20 straight years besides one year in there. When all you can do after you lose is go like, well, you know, maybe we'll get them next time. (laughs) And, you know, outside, very outside chance this year. Obviously last year, a a playoff rematch was looming a little bit. I don't think that's going to be realistic this year. I thought we played well. That's the one thing, you know, compared to the last two years, we, we rolled over. I mean, there's no better way to put it. And there are a lot of factors that go into that. Personally, I think two years ago in Michigan, you know, the offense, the offensive line was kind of getting, you know, dominated by Hutchinson and Ojabo. If you recall, Stroud was trying his best to hang in there. He was not as good as navigating the pocket as the man is now when he's facing NFL rushers, which I wish he always had that ability, but sometimes people improve. And Last year, you know, at home, seeing them do the same thing, those two big plays, which kind of did seem to loom large because I think the broadcast did do a good job of pointing out that we always had Proctor or safety roaming over top. We really were against giving up big plays. When it came down to those final possessions, when we needed to get the ball back, when Michigan ate up, you know, 
almost the entire game clock after we made it 24-27, they were just going four yards, four yards, four yards. You got to give Michigan credit. They didn't make big mistakes on offense. Difference of the game was kind of that interception that McCord threw. McCord, you also got to give him credit. Unlike, you know, when you compare it to those last two years, he didn't roll over. When the offense needed to respond, they did. And I know Ohio State fans don't want to see this, but when we're this good and Michigan's this good, the odds are they're going to be close games and sometimes you're not going to get the breaks. You know, the first touchdown, the more and more I watch it, the more and more I say that really could have been ruled an interception. I completely, I just want to say, I understand why the refs didn't change the call. They go with what's on the field, everything like that. But you watch that on the last drive when McCarthy made the throw, when he was rolling out right, he throws it back across the field. The play that you tell every quarterback in the world never to make. And what happens? It's not even incomplete. The guy still makes the diving catch and they get a third and one and keep the clock rolling. It's one. Sometimes those breaks just don't go your way. And it felt like we finally got one on the, on the, was it Fleming who caught it? Abuka who recovered it on the last drive, but it was too little, too late. Um, it was a great game. Look, talking to the friends I have who are in Ohio State fans, all of them say every year, I just want this game to be good. I want it to feel like, you know, go down to the wire. It sucks this one didn't go our way, but I will say I thought the team played real well. I do think Michigan's a top five team in the country as they've been the last few years. And it's not like this year they left with a 17-point victory. It came down to the final play of the game, and there's not much more you can ask for when it's two such good programs. Yeah, I agree um, with most of what you said there. I mean, like, when they went down 14-3, I thought, okay. I thought it was over. This might get out of hand. This could be a repeat of the last two years. But they responded. They had some nice drives. When they tied it at 17, that drive when they tied it on 17, eight straight runs, it was just smash-mouth football. I thought, man, they're they're in this. And then, obviously, Michigan kind of takes control scoring the game's next 10 points. But I just think, obviously, like you said, I think the biggest takeaway for Ohio State is – Yes, you lost to Michigan. Yes, it sucks you've lost three in a row. Yes, you're not going to be in the playoff. You're not probably going to be in the national championship like you could have been if you would have won this game. But Michigan is good. What people don't realize, and I know I totally might contradict myself when I talk about the Ryan Day thing in a couple months. (laughs) But what people don't realize is when Urban Meyer's teams and Jim Trussell's teams, for the most part, were beating up on Michigan for that 20-year stretch when they went 17-3, and Michigan was not good. They were nowhere near the program that Ohio State was in that time frame. Now they are. They have the same recruits. They have the same level of talent. And when that happens, the team that makes fewer mistakes is going to win. Michigan didn't turn the ball over. Ohio State did twice. And the first one led to led immediately to a touchdown. So, like, that's kind of what happens in these type of games. The team that makes less mistakes wins. That was Michigan. Um, I thought Kyle McCord played a lot better than his stat line may indicate. The first interception was his fault. That was a big mistake. Second yeah. one, he was just trying not to get sacked. Yeah, and I mean, and you can't hold that against him. And how that fourth quarter unfolded, they go on that seven-minute drive. Just for them to have the ball at the end with a chance was all I wanted. They did. Yeah. They got further down than I thought they were going to, but they just couldn't get it done. I mean, it sucks. I mean, it's not – you never want to lose to Michigan. You never want to – lose period at Ohio state. You all, you want to go undefeated and win the title every year, but sometimes that's not in the cards and uh, Michigan proved they were better again, once again. But like you said, I don't know how Michigan fans did it. That not only did they lose three in a row, they lost the next five after this one. So imagine we're yeah. sitting here talking yeah. today and we're still, we're, next still, we're still a ways away. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that brings me to my next topic. Um, Ryan day. I know we both have some thoughts on this. We do. The conversation around Ryan day is 
a lot of there's a lot of Buckeye fans who are going to bat for him saying he's a good coach. He's 56 and seven. We were a kick away from winning the national title last year. You can't fire him. There's some other fans who are saying he's lost three in a row to Michigan. What really is he won? We should fire him. Where do you stand? Do you think Ohio State should roll it, roll, keep rolling with Ryan Day, run it back with Ryan Day, or do you think this is kind of the last straw? You can't lose three in a row to Michigan. You can't. I, I don't see a way that you can fire a coach who's had a good program as Day has had. I know the game. It's the game. We all want to win it. And my entire life, you know, we are the the silver spoon generation. I guess you'd call us as Buckeye fans. We won. The first one I ever remember was the one when we were number one, they were number two. Uh, it was 2006. We won 42 to 39. It was one of the best games of all time. It was sick that we won. And year after year after year, we went through a stretch there when we beat them by a lot consistently. But I don't understand the people who are calling for Jay's head. Not, a, not at the slightest. I slightly disagree with you. <laughs> oh, uh, man. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to preface this whole conversation by saying the 12-team playoff changes a lot of what I'm about to say. And I'm overrating the Michigan losses when Urban Meyer would lose games to Purdue and Iowa that would knock us out of the playoff as well. Even though you'd beat Michigan, people would forget about those losses. But I'm going to say, what is is our defense of Ryan Day? Why are we saying that Ryan Day is like one of the best coaches in America and unfireable? We at least have to have the conversation. He doesn't beat Michigan. He doesn't win Big Ten titles. He's won one Big Ten title. Um, and he doesn't win playoff games. He's won what? One playoff game? Or two? Was it two playoff games? No, he won one playoff uh, He game. won one. He only beat Clemson. Almost beat Georgia. You can hang the banner for almost beating Georgia. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, I mean, in my opinion, Ohio State, you're it's a national title or bust every year, right? If you don't beat other top five teams, days one and six against other top five teams, you won't have a chance to win the national title. I just don't know how you can – you know, and I, I don't know if I'm saying you totally 100% have to fire him, but you at least have to consider what else is out there. Like, if there's a better option, if Mike Vrabel leaves the Titans, you got to at least consider that. You know, I'm only saying move on from day if you can totally find what you think is a better option. And to be fair to Ryan Day, I don't know how many better options there are out there. I don't know if there is one, but I'm just saying you have to have this conversation. They promoted him two years removed from being a fired NFL quarterbacks coach to carry the momentum of Urban Meyer. And um, he did for, you know, that 2019 year was great. They were the number one, they're number two going into we the were, playoff. We were a fantastic team. We were fantastic. Number one, number one from the last couple of weeks of that regular season with Justin Fields. I mean, they lose that heartbreaker to Clemson. And then the next year they beat Clemson. They make the national title. But since then, I mean, they have the two loss year in 2021. The last year, if they would have beat Georgia too, the, the other thing I'm saying in this conversation is if they would have beat Georgia too, and won the national title last year, we're not having this conversation because it's a totally different conversation. He doesn't have the national title to fall back on like Urban Meyer did when Urban Meyer would lose these random games to Iowa in November, you know? But um, my last thing on this Ryan Day thing, my comparison to you, Will, on Ryan Day is he's David Blatt on the Cavs in 2016, all right? You're, oh. 30, and, you're 30 and 11, you know, you're, you're top seed in the Eastern Conference, but – Dan Gilbert and the the GM David Griffin at the time, they looked at it and said, we need to make a change to make this a championship winning team. And they made that change. The Cavs won the title. That's my comparison. I just don't, with the 12 team playoff, what's our ceiling with Ryan day? Is it 11 and one with a loss to Michigan and a playoff loss every year? I don't know. 
I'm just saying you got to at least consider your options. I'm not saying. Go ahead. ahead. I have a few things. First of all, I I think you left out the most important name in David Blatt's firing. I think it was LeBron James. (laughs) I don't know if you want to call him the GM owner. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And there is no, I mean, you know, Ohio State, I guess the fans all collectively would be, but you know, there's no lebron james in the in the buckeye football organization when we talk about urban you know who i'd compare ryan day to a little bit urban meyer because i think our program is actually pretty damn similar and yeah i have some some things to back this up urban meyer 83 and 9 as the buckeye coach he won 90 percent of his games he won those games unless i messed up my math but i think i'm pretty close by about 24 points per game under ryan day we are 56 and 7 we've won 88 percent of the game so if you want to freak out over 2%, you can, but I'll say we still got a sample size to go. And then he's won by an average of 29 points per game. So we win by more than we were. Yes, we have lost to Michigan. What Do you want to re- re- let's recall some of the Michigan teams that Urban Meyer was beating? In 2012, his first year, we go 12-0. and 0. Yeah, first of all, I'm doing this a little bit so we can just remember the good times, right? Yeah, you know, we need to, we can't just talk about this loss. We beat an 8-5 and five Michigan team who was ranked 20th by the time we played them by five points. So I don't necessarily think that is some, some fantastic win. Michigan has never been that bad the last three years. In 2013... We beat an unranked Michigan team by one point on a missed two-point conversion. We almost Tavis lost Powell. the team. Tavis Powell. Uh, Tavis Powell. The season. Shout out my guy. He was on the Colts roster for like a week or two. So give a shout out to him. Same with Marcus Hall, the guy who gave the Michigan fans the double birds. He was on the Colts roster in the offseason. We bring in the Buckeyes to truly make an impact. What can I say? Um, so an unranked Michigan team, we squeak by. In 2014, obviously, JT Barrett did go down in this game. We play an unranked Michigan team that went 5-7, didn't make a bowl game. Even Ohio State's worst year in my life, at least we we lost the Gator Bowl. You know what I mean? Didn't make a bowl game, and we beat them 42-28. to It was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. We're calling this a great win? Why? This is, a, they, like, people are just acting like Urban Meyer beat Michigan teams that were top five, top five, top five. And I understand. We did beat top five Michigan teams in 2016 and 2018, which I do want to point out were both home games in 2016. Michigan's quarterback was Wilton Spate. He cost them the game. He threw a big six to Malik Hooker. He didn't, they had plenty of opportunities to win that game and they blew it. This is the difference between the 2016 and the 2022 Michigan teams was the offensive mistakes weren't there any longer. People need to identify that Michigan, like you said, as I'm going through eight and five, seven and six, five and seven, ten and th- their best year was ten and three in any Urban Meyer year. And they never won the bowl games. Now that is still true. They still haven't won a bowl game in the last few years. Now they're making the playoff. It's a little more defensible. But the last three years, they've lost one regular season game. That is not comparable at all. So I'm saying I kind of feel like these Ryan Day, Urban Meyer, Michigan records are comparing apples and oranges. When you look at the actual program, like I said, the win percentage, how much we're winning by, the fact that we're still, we haven't lost more than, we never lost more than two games in an Urban Meyer year. We've never lost more than two games in a Ryan Day year. So where is the drop-off that some of these people are looking for? That is my response. That is what I think. Let's just have one year we go nine and three. And I'll say this, 
if Michigan, you know, wins the next two in dominant fashion, if it's our only loss in the entire year, now, obviously, and we don't win the playoff, that being said, too. But if that's our only loss in the entire year, but they're dominating us, I at least have the conversation. The only person I would consider for half a second is Mike Frable. Uh, But let's not pretend as Ohio State fans. Ohio State fans love thinking everyone, (laughs) at least we have a little more merit to it than Texas A&M fans who, you know, they were going to get Ryan Day for 48 hours there. Um, But we think we can get anyone we want. Look, if Mike Rabel wants to go to college, that is the perfect job for him. We have no clue if he wants to coach a college team. So let's see, you know, the Titans season is kind of trending downward. They got a big game against the Colts, but that is my response. Show me the actual drop-off. Don't just show me these Michigan games. I think this year we fought back, and you know. I think we could all, <laughs> if we want to mock Michigan, they didn't kill us when they, you know, didn't steal our signs all year. With uh, When they didn't have, it, maybe Connor Stallions was the, big, <laughs> the, biggest, <laughs> the biggest asset, and now he's gone. So let's give it a year. We'll play him at home. We should have a good team again. I know we're going to, you know, we're going to lose Marvin. I'm already distraught over the thought of him being in a Patriots uniform. <laughs> Makes me very sad. If, if CJ Stroud in goes to the Texans and, and Marvin Harrison's on the Patriots as a Colts fan, I'm going to be very upset. But, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. Let's just, like I said, I want to see actual drop-off. I don't want to just see that we lose to Michigan, who's a very good team. Yeah, I agree. And I'll say, I don't think there's any chance they fire him after this year. No, I just don't. And then after just hearing your point, I I agree that they probably should not fire him. I mean, he's been a good coach. They've been in the conversation, the top five every year. And my point is to you, Will, I think you would answer this the same way I would. I don't think that we would even be talking about Ryan Day being fired. If instead of those three losses to Michigan, he only lost once to Michigan and he lost a random game to like Maryland one year and Wisconsin the other year. And those were our two losses you know what i mean it's the they're like i get the game is this aura this mystique this 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 big game but like at the end of the day a loss is a loss so like if we would have lost to maryland earlier in the season or notre dame if we would have lost the notre dame game and beat michigan like it's kind of the same thing i mean i get it's a rivalry i get you want to beat your rival i get it's more than a game but like wins and losses are wins and losses you know yeah if we were going six and six every like you know like I said, Michigan, Brady Hoke, Michigan is different than Michigan after five years of Jim Harbaugh. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't like Michigan. You just have to look at their resume the last three years and say that he, just like he did at Stanford, you know, the NFL is a completely different ball game. But as we saw, the 49ers were in the conference championship game three years he was there. He's a good coach. You know, <laughs> I hope he goes back to the NFL. I hope he leaves Michigan and he might. But uh, right now, they're a good team. That doesn't mean we can't beat them. We're just as good. I think we proved that this year, going on the road, fighting back and everything. So let's just, you know, like you said, it's not eight years in a row yet. It took Harbaugh, who I just called a very good coach, what, six years to beat us? Like, let, let's... In- he, was he, he started off 0-5, I think he's, what, 3 Yeah, well, now. he started, he, yeah, 0-5, and then it didn't happen in 2020. But oh, let, yeah. mm-hmm. let's call, Still, let's call six it six years. It took six years, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were terrible in 2020. Yeah. They canceled the game and still had practice the next week. Yep. They didn't want to lose. <laughs> Look, even though I can I can compliment them, I'm still gonna take shots. They they canceled the game. They didn't want it. They didn't want that smoke in 2020 when we were a good team without a good defense, as Alabama proved. 
but Clemson could have beat us still. So, you know, it's three years. It's tough. I can't believe they do it. You know, Thanksgiving next year, my nerves are already going to be in my freaking gut. But I I really believe, I don't think that Ryan Day is just, this isn't it. Because when he played a Michigan team that was as good as some of the ones that Urban Meyer was playing, when he played a 10th ranked Michigan team in 2019, we beat him by 29. So let's just see, you know, maybe they'll fall off a little bit. Maybe we'll take the step up. That'll make us, you know, the, the top team in the country. Like we were in 20, like we, you know, we weren't in 2019, but like you said, our team was dominant. We were ranked number one for much of the year. Maybe we take a step up. The defense was very good this year. Let's see what happens. The other conversation about Ohio State's future, kind of, and we can keep this quick, is Kyle McCord. Um, I think to McCord's credit, I'll say this. So the question is, is he the starter next year? Um, I say it depends on if you can improve and it kind of is the thing I was saying about Ryan day earlier. Can you for sure get someone better? I would lean. If you can, I would lean McCord not being back. I mean, he no means by no means blew me away this year, but I think he played a lot better than people give him credit for, but how much of that was because he had Marvin Harrison jr. Who he's not going to have next year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't know if you can win anything significant. And when I mean anything significant, the Big Ten Championship, the National Championship with yeah. Cal McCord, I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see it right now. But, like, I don't know who's out there that would be a, with, that would be a like, a big upgrade. I mean, do you start Lincoln Kieran Holes? I mean, he's a freshman. He's going to be ready as a sophomore. I don't know. Does Texas – does Malik Murphy or Arch Manning transfer from Texas if Quinn Ewers comes back? I mean, maybe you try and get one of those guys. But other than that, I mean, I just don't – really see who would be a big upgrade over McCord, but like nothing that he showed me this year made me for sure sit there and pound the table and say, this guy is quarterback one next year, no matter what, you know what I mean? I agree with that. I I think, you know, in any year when, and even if we were to win the title, we should be aggressively looking for ways with the transfer portal, the way it is now, you, you have to consider your options. You know, what really helped Alabama uh, two years ago, even though they didn't go on to win the title, the fact that they had Jameson Williams transfer from us and go to them. He he was very, very good when he was on Alabama. So there will be players out there as far as quarterbacks go. I, you know, that'll be interesting to see if there's any big name that enters the portal, like you kind of mentioned. And if someone of that caliber, like you said, Arch Manning or something were to enter, you know, I think we got as much pool as anyone as we prove with the recruiting classes we take in every year. So like you said, there's always a chance. Look, it, you know, if we want to bring up anomalies, we can say that Joe Burrow wasn't very good his first year at LSU too. Now, do I think Kyle McCord is Joe Burrow? No, I wish, I hope, but there is a chance that he gets better. You know, we, we see it with plenty of quarterbacks all the time. He's not going to be CJ Stroud. He's not going to be Justin Fields. Um, did he kind of prove this year, you know, I know we had a good defense. He can make some plays. Sure. I think it's something you keep an eye out. You see what happens. Be willing. One of the things, like we kept running back JT Barrett. Look, JT Barrett, he was a great leader. He was a good player. He was not a great quarterback. And, you know, Joe Burrow was in that quarterback room. Now, obviously it took, you know, a lot of factors. It seemed like to make him what it made him, but he was in that quarterback room. You know, Dwayne Haskins was in that quarterback room in 2017. And we were starting Barrett. And look, like I said, I like the guy. We lost by 31 points to Iowa. 
with JT Barrett. He direct four interceptions that game. It was absolutely brutal. So be willing if, like you said, Lincoln goes out there and has a very, very good offseason, be willing to move on and do what's right for the team. If Day does something that I think Irvin sometimes tended to do, even though he had some good teams, and just runs it back, keeps continuity and everything like that, just for the sake of it, I think McCord could cost us a game. Like I said, I would still give – that is all to say there is a very good chance he also goes out in the offseason, improves, and makes himself you know, the known starter. Again, he might not be a Heisman finalist, but he proved yesterday in that Michigan game he could make throws – or yesterday in that Michigan game. Saturday in the Michigan game, he can make throws. He can, you know, fight back, show some resilience that I do give him a lot of credit for. Keep an eye out, but I wouldn't just, I wouldn't automatically close the curtain on McCord just because, you know, we were a little underwhelmed at times this year. Um, Unlike last year after this Michigan loss, I mean, like last year, Ohio State got into the playoff. They only needed one thing to happen for them in the conference championship weekend. It was USC losing to Utah, which did happen. But yeah. this year, I feel like they need a lot of help. Um, So where do you have Ohio State in your top? I would say they're probably going to still be in the top eight. I'll give you mine first where I have it going into uh, conference championship weekend and what I think needs to happen for Ohio State to sneak into that fourth spot. So I have Georgia one still. Um, I got Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon five, Texas six. And here's where people might disagree with me. I have Ohio State at seven above Alabama at eight, as I think Ohio State's loss is better than Bama's, and they have the same record. With the understanding that Bama would jump Ohio State, obviously, if they were to beat Georgia and win the SEC championship. But that's my top eight right now. So for Ohio State to get into the playoff, I think they would need Georgia and Washington to win. Just because I think if Washington were to lose, there would still be a debate between Washington and Ohio State with one loss and the fact yeah. that Washington already beat the team that they would have their one loss to. But I think that's a conversation still. And they would definitely need Florida State and Texas to lose. Yes. Because uh, for, they're not going to put Ohio State in over an undefeated Florida State team at all. And the Texas, even with Texas wins the Big 12, they're not going to get in over Texas. But if Florida State Texas, and Texas lose and you get Georgia – and Washington winning, um, and obviously assuming Michigan beats Iowa. I think Ohio State could get in. I just don't think it's very realistic. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's the thing with uh, any parlay that anyone wants to place or anything like that. When you need that many things to happen, I know. But, you know, Louisville just lost to Kentucky. Didn't exactly get my hopes up. They can beat at Florida State even without Travis. You laid out the scenario perfectly. I, I, I actually, unless I'm... I would perfectly agree with your rankings. You know, I think it's easy to say Bama might be a little better at the same time. They almost lost to Auburn, who almost or it almost lost is underselling it. They should have lost to Auburn. They muffed a punt, and then they gave up a fourth and 31 to lose the game. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. So we did not come close to losing any game that wasn't to a ranked team on the road, as they did to Auburn, as honestly, kind of. This is this is overselling it a little bit, but wasn't it South Florida who was like 10 to 3 for like 95% of the game? Yeah. Yep. So I know that was early in the year. I'm not holding it against Bama now, but I think you can kind of look at those things and say this kind of proves Ohio State. They've been more consistent. Like you said, the one loss is a little bit better. We didn't just almost lose to Auburn. <laughs> we had a damn good game against a top five team on the road. So I would say I perfectly agree. 
the scenario is not likely doesn't mean, you know, if <laughs> the scores are trending one way, I won't start thinking that I would assume, like you said, if everything plays out that way, it would probably be a Georgia rematch instead of a Michigan one. Look, I'd love to play Michigan on a neutral field. I think we can freaking win. But, you know, we're probably looking at the Rose Bowl. We're probably looking at the Oregon-Washington. I think uh, I think the Orange Bowl against Louisville is the most likely. Is it actually? Is what I heard. Oh, my God. That's so underwhelming. You gotta I know. Be- yeah, that, I, I read that know? today. Why can't we at least play LSU? That would be a fun game. I think I think it's because the Orange Bowl is it's the, the highest-ranked non-playoff ACC team, which would probably be Louisville if Florida State beats them. And then it's the second – highest ranked Ohio or uh, Ohio state. The second is highest the Rose Bowl part of the playoff this year. Yeah. And so um, I think so. And so then it would be the high. So it's the highest ranked ACC non-playoff team and the highest ranked big 10 or SEC non-playoff team. So it's either Ohio state or Bama. And I think Ohio state would be ranked above Bama. If Georgia yeah, I'm giving it the, look, <laughs> the last time we were, well, Hey, Hey, you know, I'll give Ohio state fans listening some hope here. Last time we were in the orange bowl, we did lose. And then we won the title. So, you know, may, we'll maybe, <laughs> maybe in, how about this? How about this? Last year we played, last time we played in the Orange Bowl, we lost. And then the playoff had a new format and we won. I, I'm, you know what? It's all what coming up, Buckeyes. What are the odds? I'm, I'm betting the house <laughs> on Ohio State 2020. It's 2024, 2025. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I Champions of the next college football season. Kyle McCord. We're coming for the chip, baby. Oh yeah. Well, I would love to see it. Um, speaking of which, let's let's transition to the NFL real quick to end this podcast. Um, our teams are both in the AFC playoffs at the playoffs let's go. today. How I would don't know if I would have thought that at the beginning of the year, but um, seems like your team, the Colts, is trending up. The Browns, due to injuries, seem to be trending down. But the Browns sit at seven and four. The Colts sit at six and five. Just your takeaways on the Colts. I mean, they've been. I think Shane Steichen's in the coach of the year conversation, right? Oh, he has to be. He has to be. We have a backup quarterback. Look, people, I hope, realize that, you know, the Colts coming in last place last year, we had the last place schedule, and we play the NFC South as our NFC South, um, as our NFC division. They are very bad. The AFC South is actually better than I think some people expected, particularly the Jaguars and the Texans, and I guess us to an extent, but we're beating a lot of bad teams. At the end of the day, that's what you have to do. Do I really think we're a difference maker or anything? No, but I just, I I plead Colts fans, especially as the playoffs do look like somewhat of a possibility. This was year one of a rebuild. So even if it, even if, you know, we have a frustrating loss to the Raiders that knocks us out of the playoff contention, that's a game that's going to take place on my birthday. So I don't want to lose, but we might. Um, If we have a, a terrible loss to Atlanta coming up in a few weeks, like it'll feel bad given how some of the years played out, but, I thought we might win four games. I thought we might win five games. Richardson going down. You worked with me that day. It was a, it was a dark day. It was for me just because I, I'm a very big Colts fan. It was it was about. It felt just as dark as like the Michigan loss, given how the game played out, and seeing how the team has fought back, seeing that we're still winning games. It's been a lot of fun to see. Um, you know, I'm even if, like I said, we the reason we have a chance at the playoffs is we have the easiest remaining schedule and we're currently at six and five. So we'll see what happens. But like you said, coach of the year, if we make it, I think kind of has to be Shane Steichen, in my opinion, even with all those circumstances, I said we were terrible last year. 
it was the Jeff Saturday era was as dark as it can get for an NFL team. I'm just telling you guys, we blew the biggest lead in NFL history. It was terrible. And to see what the team's been this year has been encouraging. It makes me really excited for what might happen when Richardson get back gets back. It really sucks that, like you said, if we're even if we're just outside the playoff picture, now we're picking 17, 18, and we're not probably getting some of those impact pass catchers that I immediately connected to our team when Richardson went down. But I think you, you can't just be like, I wish we had a better draft. That's not a fun way to be a fan. And you have to realize you're one of a rebuild winning eight games, despite what your schedule might look like is a success. It means that the one thing I really want to see just to end it on the Colts is I want Ballard to be aggressive in the off season. If we think Richardson is the guy, if we think if we saw what this team did this year with the schedule, let's say we need to add some impact players on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Ballard's always been the guy to say, I don't like adding in free agency, but you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. And if you really think he's good, now is the time to put pieces around him. If we can't do it through the draft with a high draft pick because of our record, which is again, a positive thing, you have to do it through free agency. There will be some good names out there. We're probably going to have to spend a lot of money to keep Michael Pittman. Um, I'm personally okay with that. I think he's earned it. Um, you know, let's see what we can do. We we obviously cut Shaq Leonard that saved us a little bit of money. You know what I mean? So there will be some good players, and I want to have them on our team. Yeah, I agree. I think Steichen's done an outstanding job. And, like, the fact that you're 6-5 and five, currently in the playoffs, and you don't even have – you didn't even have Richardson for, like, the last however many games. I mean, he's your franchise guy. You're doing this with Gardner Minshew, who's obviously one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. You're the backup. It's been a storyline in in the league for sure. But um, yeah, you guys have one too. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, the Browns. Real, I'll say I'm gonna talk about the Browns by myself on this podcast. But um, but um, they are top five players injured. Uh, so it's not looking good for the Browns. Which transitions to our AFC playoff updated picture. I'll give my one through seven. Then you can react and give your one through seven. Um. I got the chiefs at one. Um, I, I'm, I, they have an easy schedule and they're still, I think they're eight and three. They're only a game back of the Ravens. And um, so I got the chiefs at one still. I have the Ravens at two. I think the Ravens have been really, really good. Lamar's having a really, really good Lamar year. And um, if he stays healthy, I don't see how they're not in the top two in the AFC three. I have the Jaguars. I almost went dolphins, but um, the Jaguars gave me some confidence uh, with their performance against the Texans two game lead in the AFC South. I think they'll end up three. Then I have the dolphins at four winning the AFC East. And then my three wild cards five. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers six. I have the Houston Texans. And seven, I have the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> as my three wild card teams with the Bills and the Browns just missing. That's how I think the playoffs are going to shake out when it's all said and done. How about you? Uh, division winners, I agree. I think I might just have the Ravens over the Chiefs at one just because I think they both have good defenses. And I slightly like what I've seen from the Ravens offense a little bit more than the Chiefs because of those pass catchers. Um, but I, I think, you know, that'll be a toss up. We'll kind of see how that goes. I definitely like both those teams. I think there's kind of tiers Ravens chiefs, the other two division winners, which looking like I agree with you, the Jaguars, and then certainly the dolphins. I don't, I don't think there will be much competition for that spot, uh, given the records for the bills right now. It really sucks that it looks like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are not going to be in the playoffs. 
um, just from a fan perspective. <laughs> it, I honestly kind of feel bad if Gardner Minshew makes it over them. <laughs> but, um, God, I don't know if I'm – I don't want to put myself in a spot where I'm going to let the Colts disappoint me uh, given it's year one of a rebuild. So I'm not going to say I think we're going to make the playoffs yet. I do think CJ Stroud and the Texans will make it. Stroud's so good, he got Frank Reich fired. Um, so, you know, that really says something about he's absolutely spectacular. I mean, we talked about it at work yesterday. Stroud completed a, a pass that went 70 yards in the air. I saw someone say, I did not see this verified, that it would be the longest pass that Next Gen had on record. I think right now it's actually PJ Walker's Hail Mary from last year. So um, I know. So he's got a little bit of talent, even if he just hasn't showed it much in a Browns uniform. And uh, sadly, that play didn't count, but he's spectacular. So I think the Texans are going to be in the playoffs. I think the Steelers are going to weasel their way in. I said the exact same thing uh, last time I was on the podcast, and I'll stick by it. And then, gosh, I mean, if Flacco is really going to be the guy for the Browns, I guess I'll kind of go back on what I was saying earlier and say, with how good they played yesterday, maybe the Bills can find a way in. But I, you know, I haven't been too encouraged. But I just think Allen, I mean, yesterday they had a great game against the Eagles and Allen played out of his mind. So I thought that, I think, I know the problem is they have a tough schedule, but God, when I watch that offense go, I want to see him in the playoffs more than the Colts, as much as I love my team. But like you said, we have an easy schedule. I actually do think there's a way we can make it. I just don't want to be in a spot where six weeks from now, we end it with seven wins. And I'm like, I can't believe I got sucked in because we beat some bad teams. That's how I feel about the Browns. They're seven and four. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, um, I'm fully expecting nine and eight, you know, and missing by a game. But it's all right. Um, well, you well, have the tiebreaker I- over us. It could come down to that. Maybe it could. Hopefully it doesn't. Will, thanks for coming on the podcast this week. Thanks for uh, joining in as always. And uh, hopefully next time I have you on, we're previewing a Browns and Colts playoff matchups against one of those division winners. I I would sign up for that, wouldn't you? That would be electric. Maybe both of us. Hey, last time we made the playoffs, the Colts and the Browns were wild. Yes, yes. It could happen again. It would be an honor. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy uh, (laughs) much of the first part of the conversation about the Buckeyes. Don't get too upset talking about the Browns. It was an honor. Thanks, man. That was Will Price, Jack Bernie. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. Welcome back into Season 6, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Special thanks to Will Price for joining the show, talking some Buckeyes, talking some NFL. I saved my Browns takes for the second half of this episode because I have some takes about this Browns team. They lose 29 to 12 to the Denver Broncos in a game that was actually pretty winnable for, I would say for about the first three and a half quarters, maybe Um, the injury bug bit the Browns big time this game. That is the overwhelming storyline from this, this week for the Browns is DTR goes out. He gets absolutely lit up on a roughing the passer. He is out with a concussion then you have Amari Cooper going out. He it gets hit pretty hard in the ribs. Um, he's out. Denzel Ward was already out for the game. And then afterwards, you got Miles Garrett hearing a pop in his shoulder. He can't lift his left shoulder above his above his head to get his shirt on after the game. And uh, it seems like he might be out for an extended period of time, which if that's the case, the Browns season is over. And um, I went from being very confident that the Browns, despite 
having DTR, an inexperienced fifth-round rookie quarterback. After they beat the Steelers last week, I said, man, they just need to win three games. They need to go three and four, and they're going to make the playoffs. But after the injuries with, you know, maybe Denzel Ward out for an extended period of time, maybe Miles Garrett out for an extended period of time, Miles Garrett, you know, not being able to lift his arm in the locker room. Uh, he's getting an MRI today. Um, hopefully that goes well, but if it doesn't, you're going to be without Miles Garrett. You're going to be without Denzel Ward, your two best defensive players. You're already without your two most important offensive players, per- perhaps your three most important offensive players, depending on what happens with Amari Cooper, with Deshaun Watson out for the year, and Nick Chubb obviously been out for the year since week two. Um, but my takeaways on the Browns is, I mean, it was just not a great game for the Browns by any stretch. I mean, they get out, they get to it down in a 14 nothing hole. They the offense finally starts getting going. They get it to 14 to 12 after a really great drive by DTR in the uh the second quarter third it was either the second or third quarter. I think it was the third quarter. It was 14 to 12. They missed a two-point conversion. Then the play that really kind of encapsulated the loss yesterday was they were down 17-12 with I don't know, not eight or nine minutes left. It was the the same drive DTR got hurt on, like the second play after the roughing the passer. P.J. Walker's in, so that's your third-string quarterback. Pierre Strong's in, that's your third-string running back. And Kevin Stefanski draws up a double reverse on second and seven inside your own territory. Um, Elijah Moore gets the pitch from Pierre Strong. So let me, let me, let me recap this. Your third-string quarterback running a reverse to your third-string running back who's going to pitch it to Elijah Moore. And the, the exchange is botched. Uh, it's a fumble. Denver recovers deep in Brown's territory, and the Broncos go in and uh, score a touchdown. It was just a very, very frustrating loss. I don't know how much you can blame it on Kevin Stefanski. I think some of the blame has to go on Kevin Stefanski for the loss yesterday. I understand Denver is a tough place to win, but it was just not great to see. I mean, the whole thing just did not give me confidence for the rest of the season. I mean, and what a bad football weekend for me as a football fan. Stefanski regressed a little bit yesterday. He had two back-to-back outstanding game plans, in my opinion, for the most part against the Ravens and the Steelers. Um, The double reverse with our third-string quarterback and third-string running back was insane. Um, I think they they can't keep expecting the defense to – you know, win these games with some miracle big plays. The defense didn't have many big plays yesterday. They had one turnover. Um, they need Joe Flacco to start. That's my other take. I mean, I, DTR was fine yesterday. Um, he wasn't great. He wasn't awful. But it, I think he's not going to play this week because I think he's going to be in concussion protocol judging how hard he got hit. But yesterday, DTR was 14 to 29, 134 yards, one touchdown. I mean, not great, not bad, but I mean, just the offense as a whole, they got outgained 294 to 269. Um, they kind of ran away from the running game. Like they didn't get the running game going, even though Jerome Ford had nine carries. He only had nine carries, but he had 65 yards. He was ripping 7.2 yards a pop. And I know part of that is because you are down on the scoreboard and you have to pass to try and get back into it without time coming off the clock. But at the same time, you can't just totally abandon the run against a team that was 32nd against the run going into this game. Just a frustrating loss. Denver's a tough place to win. Um, it is, it's just, it's just tough to imagine the Browns making the playoffs, in my opinion, if Miles Garrett's out for the year. I don't know if he's out for the year at the time of recording this, 11.59 on Monday afternoon. If something breaks while I am recording this, I will, of course, report that to you guys 
and uh, update my stance. But you just heard my seven in heaven for the AFC. Um, I had I had the Browns not in the playoffs. I had the Steelers, Texans, and Colts as your three wild card teams, and that's fully how I anticipate um, how I anticipate this going. But um, we do have the ESPN playoff machine up right now, um, and we're kind of looking at the the playoff state right now. So the Browns are currently the sixth seed in the AFC at seven and four. Um, they have the Rams. They got the Rams in week 13 on the road. Week 14, they're home for the Jaguars. Two tough games. They got to find a way to go one and one in those two games. Then they got the Bears week 15 at home. They got the Texans week 16 on the road. Very tough game. Then they got the Jets and the Bengals uh, to round out the season. But um, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough spot to be for the Browns. Your top five players are injured. Watson, Chubb, Cooper, Garrett, and uh, Denzel Ward are all hurt. Not to mention Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills, two of your starting tackles as well. The injury bug has been really, really bad for the Browns this year. It is um it's it's just been a season it's been a season from hell for injuries for the Browns. I mean, the fact that they're seven and four speaks to how this team has done pretty, pretty good, despite um despite the, the the luck they've been dealt with missing Nick Chubb with missing Deshaun Watson. Um, but I just don't see how this team can rally to make the playoffs, especially if Miles Garrett's out for the year, which is what I fear happened. I think he separated his shoulder. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong. Like I said, if I am wrong and if something comes while I'm recording this, I will let you guys know. But as of right now, the his injury status is up in the air. So that is... What's going on? Uh, let's let us let us pick our week eleven picks now. Uh, week thirteen picks. I don't know why I said week eleven. Week thirteen picks, and then I'll go ahead since I got the uh, since I got the uh, playoff machine up. I'll go ahead and tell you how my week thirteen picks impact the playoff machine. So entering week thirteen, I'm assuming the Vikings win um tonight against the bears on monday night football hasn't happened yet but that's what i'm gonna assume uh no offense to the chicago bears if i'm wrong i don't think it changes much all right so entering week 13 assuming the vikings beat the bears in the afc the one seed is the ravens at nine and three the chiefs are the two seed at eight and three the jaguars are the third seed at eight and three the dolphins are the four seed at eight and three then you got pittsburgh cleveland and indianapolis as your three wild cards in the NFC, the Eagles are the one seed at ten and one. The Niners are the two seed at eight and three. The Lions are the three seed at eight and three. The Falcons are five and six. They're the four seed. Dallas, Minnesota, Seattle, your three wild cards. So Thursday night, it is two wild card teams in the NFC currently facing off. You got the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. They look very impressive on Thanksgiving. Dak played really well. C.D. Lamb is having an outstanding year. Um, I don't see how the Cowboys lose that game to the Seahawks. So I got the Cowboys. Colts-Titans, the next game on the ledger. In Tennessee, closer than people think, I'm going to take the Colts on the road. They've been playing really well. Shane Steichen has this team firing on all cylinders, so to speak, and the Colts beat bad teams, and that's what the Titans are. So I'm going to take the Colts to win that game. Chargers at Patriots. Give me the Chargers. The Patriots are tanking. Yesterday's loss to the Tommy DeVito and the Giants proved much. They're 2-9. and nine. Uh, they really want a top two pick, and I think they're going to get one. So I'll take the Chargers despite 
how the Chargers love to lose games they're supposed to win. Lions at Saints. A lot of people are writing off the Lions after their loss on Thanksgiving. I'm going to take the Lions. Just watching the Saints yesterday lose to the Falcons gave me no confidence in their ability to make the playoffs, so I'm going to take the Lions. Falcons, Jets in New York. I'm going to take the Falcons. I just don't think the Jets, especially if it's Tim Boyle, have a chance to do anything, so I'm going to take the Falcons. Cardinals, Steelers in Pittsburgh. Give me the Steelers. Cardinals looked awful against the Rams yesterday. The Steelers looked... Pretty competent, I would say, on offense, even though they didn't um, score many points. They got over 400 yards for the first time in three years. So um, maybe the firing of Matt Canada did fix everything. So I'm going to go with the Steelers at home over the Cardinals. I'm going to take the Dolphins over the Commanders. Um, so that will give us the, – the, the yeah, the Dolphins aren't losing to the Commanders. Uh, Broncos, Texans, and Houston. Better game than a lot of people would have thought going into the year, but I'm going to take the Texans to beat the Broncos at home. Panthers, Bucks in Tampa. Give me Baker and the Bucks. Um, Browns, Rams in LA. I'm going to take the Rams. They looked really good with getting getting Kyron Williams back. Um, so I like the Rams to beat the Browns, especially if the Browns don't have Miles Garrett. 49ers, Eagles, perhaps an NFC Championship preview, an NFC Championship rematch from a season ago in Philly. You know what? I'm going to take an upset. I'm going to take the Niners. I'm on the Niners to win the NFC. I've been on that all year. I think the Niners are going to win this game. I think Philly's due for a letdown spot after that big win against Buffalo, that overtime win. Feels like maybe Philly's down for a letdown game. Chiefs at Packers in Green Bay. Give me the Chiefs. And then Jaguars at Bengals. Or Bengals at Jaguars, Monday Night Football. Uh, Jake Browning is not beating Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to take the Jaguars on Monday night football. So those are my picks. Let me recap them for you, then I'll tell you how that would impact the playoff race heading into week 14 if I go perfect on my picks, which hasn't happened this year. We've been close. So we got the Cowboys over the Seahawks, Chargers over the Patriots, Cardinals over the Steelers, or sorry, Steelers over the Cardinals, Colts over the Titans, Texans over the Broncos, Lions over the Saints, Falcons over the Jets, Dolphins over Commanders, Buccaneers over Panthers, Niners over Eagles, Rams over Browns, Chiefs over Packers, Jaguars over Bengals. So with that, here's how the AFC playoff picture would be impacted. Since all the four division leaders in the AFC would be 9-3 and three after this week with that result, the Chiefs would be the one seed according to this. Uh, the Jaguars would be the two seed, the Miami would be the three seed, and the Ravens would be the four seed. The wild cards would remain unchanged, seeding wise. Pittsburgh would be eight and four; they'd be the five. Cleveland would be seven and five; they'd be the six. And Indianapolis would be the seven seed at seven and five because the Browns have the tiebreaker over the Colts. In the NFC, there is a little bit of a shakeup. We got the Eagles; they'd still be the one seed at ten and two. The Niners would be the two seed at nine and three. The Lions would be the three seed at nine and three. And then you still got the Falcons at six and six, Dallas at nine and three, Vikings at seven and five. But the Rams would overtake the Seahawks if they were to get to 6-6 six and six, since they have the tiebreaker over Seattle after beating them twice in the regular season. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Joat Sports Pod, at J-O-A-T Sports Pod. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Jack Bernie TV or at The Real J Burns. That's at The Real J B-E-R-N-Z. I'll be back next week with another episode. Be sure to be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast, like the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast. Uh, Spotify Wrapped is coming up. I always enjoy seeing uh, seeing you guys uh seeing the stats from that, seeing how many people listen to the show. And I appreciate all your support as always. 
We'll be back next week with another award-winning episode. Until then, I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.